0: Well, good morning. Welcome to the Weight Management Call. It's Monday, January 25th. Who could believe it, how fast the time is flying. Ah, It's amazing how quickly the days go by. It'll be February before you know it. And then it'll be spring before we know it. However, we did get snow yesterday here in Michigan. Every day is a day that you're working on your lifestyle. This is the TR90 Body Burn 30 program or weight management call, and our goal is to support you in every way we can. We have people who talk about the program. There are people who talk about food. There are te- we have a, we have our, medita- our meditation, and my favorite one right now is the brain. It's really all about exercise and the brain, but. The brain is obviously one of the most important things in our lives because it does take up 20% of your blood flow, which is a huge amount. And if you're keeping your blood flow healthy and full of oxygen because you're exercising and doesn't even have to be heavy duty exercising, you can just walk. Walking, and you know, I, I consider climbing stairs kind of like a, a cheat um, because it's just weight-bearing exercise using my own weight, and because of T R, because of um, my Fitbit, I get to know that I'm doing at least 25 flights of stairs a day. Yesterday I did 30. Um, it's just really important, and it it just with walking, a little bit of weight-bearing exercise with small weights, as by Nikki and climbing stairs I have a a muscle percentage of 30 to 31 percent for a woman heading into her 70s that's amazing so just know that your goal is 35 percent that's a well I'm at 31 percent and I started at 25 percent and I did it kind of the lazy man's way I just walked I walked and I walked and I walked and I did a little little, little bit of weight-bearing exercises I said But the biggest one is climbing stairs. And I know this makes Susan laugh, but after my first 90 days of climbing stairs really seriously um, with the TR90 program, my butt actually lifted up a whole inch. It's absolutely amazing. So that when I stand against the wall now, instead of the bottom of my bottom hitting the wall, the top of my bottom hits the wall because it's nice and tight and healthy, lots of good muscle, you can do it too. So I just want you to know there are easy ways to keep that exercise going. And if you're stressed during the day, get up and do a 10-minute walk. Walk around your house. It, will, it all builds. Every little step helps. All right. So as I've been talking to you the last couple of weeks, I have been focusing on, as I said, the brain and memory. we have been working on short-term memory and long-term memory. From Brain Rules, Brain Rules, John Medina, 12 Principles for Surviving, Thriving at Work, Home, and School. And we've been working on long-term memory. Now, long-term memory has, there are three things that you really need to focus on with long-term memory. Do you remember? Repetition. Say it over and over and over and over. Then there's high interest. If you're interested in it, of course you're gonna go back to it excuse me, and that would make the repetition even more. And the last one is a chat, 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 talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. What does that do? It also causes repetition. Every time you talk about something you are doing a repetition. What's really interesting is how long today we're gonna to, you're gonna find out. How long does it take to make a memory, a long-term memory, and you're going to be blown away because it isn't a day or two. It's years. It takes years for a long-term memory to be really solid. And the other thing, as I talked about last week, is every time you bring up a memory or a memory gets associated, the the new activity on that memory can modify your memory. So that it may not be exactly the way it was when you say something you remember when you were 16 may not be the same memory when you're 30 or 50 or 80 because your experience and your memories impact your first memory and they do modify it. And then because your brain takes it out, looks at it again and puts it back in again. But when it gets put back in, it gets put back in with the modification of your experience. And what is long-term memory? It's long-term potentiation. All right, so there's early, long-term potentiation, and then there is late. Early is that crossbow purposes of the okay, so I was talking about the uh, a, a neuron, two neurons sitting beside each other and there's a teacher neuron and there's a student neuron and the teacher neuron sends the information electrolyte to the, to the student neuron, neuron and the student neuron gets all excited and it shakes around but it only lasts for about an hour or two. If the student neuron does not get the same information from the teacher within about 90 minutes, the student neuron level of excitement vanishes. The cell will literally reset itself to zero and act as if nothing happened, ready for another signal, electrical signal that might come its way. Early long-term potentiation is, an, is at obvious cross-purposes with the goals of the teacher neuron and, of course, with real teachers everywhere. How does one get that initial excitement to become permanent? Is there a way to transform a student's long short? lived response into a long-term or long-lived response you bet there is the information must be repeated after a period of time has elapsed if the signal is given only once by the cellular teacher the excitement excitement will be experienced by the cellular student only transiently but the information but if the information is repeated Repeatedly pulsed in discreetly timed in- intervals, and the timing for shells in a dish is about ten minutes between pulses, done at a total of three times. The relationship between the teacher and the student neuron begins to change, much like the relationship with that um, Medina had with his. Let his wife carry after a few dates. Increasingly smaller and smaller inputs from the teacher are required to elicit an increasingly stronger and stronger output from the student. This, re- this response is called late long late term potentiation. Even in this tiny isolated world of two neurons timed repetition is deeply involved in whether or not learning will occur. The interval required for synaptic, synaptic consolidation is measured in minutes and hours, which is why it is called consolidation. But don't let this small passage of time disabuse you from its importance. Any manipulation, behavioral, pharmacological, or genetic that interferes with any part of this developing relationship will block the memory formation in total. Such data provide rock-solid evidence that repetition is, re- is critical in learning, at least if you are talking about two neurons in a dish. How about between two people in a cl- classroom? The comparatively simple world of the cell is very different from the complex world of the brain. It is not unusual for a single neuron to have hundreds of synaptic connections with other neurons. This leads to a type of consolidation measured in decidedly longer terms and to a stronger end use and to stronger end used implications it sometimes It is sometimes called system consolidation, sometimes slow consolidation, as we shall see slow consolidation is probably the better term so the third thing that repetition right high interest and talking about it and this little section is called a chatty marriage in other words talk about your issue talk about your the memory that you want to remember because it will help with the repetition nuclear and Annihilation is a good way to illustrate the differences between synaptic and system consolidation. On August 22, 1968, the Cold War got hot. Medina was studying history in junior high at the time, living with his Air Force-tethered family at, the, at an air base in central Germany, Germany, unhappily near ground zero for the atomics that were... To unhappily near ground zero if the atomics were ever to fly in the Europe to fly in the European theatre. If you could have visited my history class, you wouldn't have liked it. For all the wonderfully intense subject matter Napoleonic wars, the class was taught by a monotonic, in a monotonic fashion by a French national a teacher who really didn't want to be there and and didn't help my concentration to be preoccupied with the events of the previous day. August 21st, 1968, was the morning when a combined contingent of Soviet and Warsaw Pact armies invaded what used to be Czechoslovakia. Our air base went into high alert and my dad a member of the U.S. Air Force, had left that evening before. Ominously, he had not yet come home. The instructor pointed to a large and beautiful painting of the Battle of Austerlitz on the wall, tediously discussing the early world wars of Napoleon. I suddenly heard her angry voice say, Do I need to ask these twice? Jolted out of my worried distraction, I turned around to find her looming over my desk. She cleared her throat. I said, "'Who were Napoleon's enemies in the battle?' Suddenly I realized she had been talking to me. I blurted out the first words that came into my addled mind. "'The Warsaw Pact Armies. No, wait, I mean the Soviet Union.' Fortunately, the teacher had a sense of humor and some understanding about the day. As the class erupted with laughter, she quickly thawed, tapped my shoulder, walked back to her desk, shaking her head. "The enemies were a coalition of Russian and Austrian armies," she paused. And Napoleon cleaned their clocks. "Memory men, many memory systems are involved in helping me to retrieve this humi- humiliating memory. now almost four decades old," he says. He wanted to use some of its semantic details to describe the timing properties of the system consolidation. Like Austerwilitz, our neurological tale involves several armies of nerves. The first army is the cortex, that wafer-thin layer of nerves that blankets the brain the way an an atmosphere blankets a battlefield. The second is a bit of a tongue twister the medial temporal lobe. It houses another familiar old soldier, the oft-mentioned hippocampus, crown jewel of the limbic system. The hippocampus helps shape the long-term character of many types of memory. That other teacher-student relationship we were discussing, the one made of neurons, takes place in the hippocampus. Now, How the cortex and the medial temporal lobe are cabled together tells the story of long-term memory formation. Neurons spring from the cortex and snake their way over over to the lobe, allowing the hippocampus to listen in on what the cortex is receiving. Wires also erupt from the lobe and wiggle their way back to the cortex returning the eavesdropping favor. This loop allows the hippocampus to issue orders to previously stimulated cortical regions while simultaneously gleaming information from them. It also allows us to form memories, and it played a large role in Medina's ability to recount this story to you. The end result of their association is the creation of long-term memories. How they work to provide stable memories is not well understood, even after three decades of research. We do know something about the characteristics of their communication. One, sensory information comes into the hippocampus from the cortex, and memories form in the cortex by the way of reverse connections. Two, their electrical marriage starts out being amazingly chatty. Long after the initial stimulus has excited, the hippocampus and the relevant cortical neurons are still yapping about it. Even when I went to bed that night, he says, the hippocampus was busy feeding signals about austerlitz back into the cortex, replaying the memory over and over again while he slept. This offline processing provides an almost absurdly powerful reason to advocate for regular sleep. The importance of sleep to learning is described in Chapter 7. And absolutely, if you want to learn and you want to remember, go for a 10 minute sleep after you've done some studying, and it'll be much better, it'll hold much better in your long term memory. Number three, while these regions are actively engaged, any memory they meditate is labile. And the subject is and subject to amendment, but it doesn't stay that way and four, after an elapsed period of time, the hippocampus will let go of the cortex effectively termi- terminating the relationship. This will leave only the cortex holding the memory of the event, but there's an important caveat: the hippocampus will file for cellular divorce only if the cortical memory has first become fully consolidated. Only if the memory has changed from transient to amenable during and to durable and fixed, the process is at the heart of the system consolidation, and it involves a complex reorganization of the brain regions supporting a particular memory trace. So here's the whole caveat of today. How long does it take for a piece of information, once recruited for long-term storage to become completely stable? Another way of asking the question is, how long does it take before the hippocampus lets go of its cortical relationship? Hours, days, months? The answer will surprise you. It surprises nearly everybody who hears it for the first time. The answer is, it takes years. It takes years for memories to become consolidated. So, repeat, repeat, repeat. Remember to repeat. There you go. This is Granny D, Dorcas Smith, out of Plymouth, Michigan. Thank you for listening to my path along towards long term memory, because long term memory is also part of why we work and exercise so hard to stay healthy. All right, here we go. And we need to hit this. There we go. Thank you, Dorcas. You're most you're most welcome. Isn't that interesting? So long term memories take a long time to be consolidated. Holy cow. Yep. Repeat to re- repeat to remember and remember to repeat. That's the message. <laughs> and and I, if you want I, your I, kids to remember something, get them to talk about it. Yep. Definitely. absolutely was there something else you were going to say I interrupted you I get too excited Uh, (laughs) we all get too excited (laughs) I know I know It's, it's, it's you know I get it so we're almost there one team global starts in one minute if you're interested in building your business that's where you go thank you Brian Curry for the wonderful work you do every day in our recalls, and thank you, Frank Lomas, for recording. I don't know what we do without you. Have a great day. Tomorrow is Nikki Day. Tomorrow is Zoom, if you can get on. And we'll look forward to either seeing or hearing from you, and have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everybody.